Morning, church. Thanks for joining us in person. Thanks for joining us online. Our numbers seem to be increasing. We're not concerned with numbers, but um, it's good to see more and more people. I know there's a lot of things that are still you're being very cautious about, and I want you to do that. So um, thanks for being here today. Let me start by asking you a question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You waiting for the Dallas Cowboys to win another Super Bowl? <laughs> waiting for the stock market to go up? Waiting for the good old days to return? Waiting for this thing called COVID just to go away? Waiting to hold hands for the first time? Waiting for him to propose? Waiting for her to say yes. Waiting for the right person to come along. Waiting to hear, I'm sorry. Waiting to hear, I forgive you. Waiting for graduation. Waiting for that next chapter in your life. Waiting for a baby to be born. We spend 43 days of our lifetime on hold, waiting for someone on the other end. 38 years waiting in traffic. What are you waiting for? Ever sat at a doctor's office in a cold waiting room, just waiting to get in, waiting to talk to the doctor, waiting to hear the test results? Your gut says it won't be good news. Your heart tells you your days might be numbered. You sit and you wait for what seems an eternity, waiting for the news, just wishing you could wave a wand and make it all go away, just waiting. Ever sat at the side of a loved one? Maybe they've lived a full life. Maybe they've lived in their 70s or 80s or 90s, or maybe they've only lived a few years, and you know the time draws near. You know their time draws near, and you just sit and wait. Or maybe you find yourself on cruise control in life, just going through the motions. You've grown cold and hard and callous to the struggles of life, waiting for the next job or the next house or the next relationship, maybe waiting for the next paycheck. Maybe I'm just waiting for the next movie, maybe the next drug, just the next whatever, waiting for anything that will fulfill, waiting for anyone who will fulfill, just going through the motions and waiting. We're spending several weeks in First and Second Thessalonians, and Paul writes them and says you should be waiting for the return of Christ. Not just waiting, we should be preparing for the return of Christ. And he spends five chapters in the first letter alone, and he ends every single chapter on the return of Christ. And he says, I know you're waiting for this. This is the first century. I know you're waiting for the suffering to stop. I know you're waiting for the persecution to go away. I know you're waiting for this chaos to go away. And they need a word of encouragement. And he writes to encourage them. And he writes to spur them on. And he writes to remind them and says, Hey, I just want to remind you that Jesus is coming back. 1 Thessalonians is a short book. You could read it this afternoon. It's just five chapters. It's just 88 verses. It's a letter written to people who were experiencing real problems. It's a letter written to people who are struggling in their faith, people who are being persecuted just like us. 
What was the message of the first letter? Hey, Jesus is coming back. I just want to remind you, Jesus is coming back. It's the same message that they were told when Jesus ascended into heaven. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven, this same Jesus will come back. And that's what Paul is reminding these people. Hey, this same Jesus will come back. And he ends every single chapter. So let me do a quick review. We won't do this every week. At the end of chapter 1, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven. At the end of chapter 2, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes. Chapter 3, may He strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes. Chapter 4, for the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. Chapter 5, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every single chapter, He talks about Jesus is coming again. Listen, your destiny is not in the hands of the undertaker. Your destiny is in the hands of the upper taker because we will meet Him in the sky. Listen, folks, I I don't know where the world's heading. I don't know where the economy is heading. I don't know where the country's heading. I don't know where government is heading. But I know this. Jesus is coming back. And because Jesus is coming back, we should live a certain way. So today as we jump into chapter 1, what does it mean to live like Jesus is coming back? Here's how he starts the letter. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church. To the church, to the church of the Thessalonians, to the church in Thessalonica, to the church, to the ecclesia, to the called out ones. We've been called out of this world. Our citizenship is not in this world. Paul says in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven. And so he says to the church. So Paul says we are connected as a church. We are connected to the church. We're connected to the body of Christ. We're connected to other believers. You don't have to live your life alone. We're connected. You don't have to go through struggles alone. We're connected. You don't have to hear bad news alone. We are connected. And that's why the church is so important. We're more than just a body. We are connected to one another. That's why we encourage you to get involved in a small group. That's why we encourage you to hang around for a Bible class. We want you to be connected because we need each other. Times are tough. We need each other. When the news is bad, we need each other. When the bumps of road, bumps in, in, the, in the road of life come, we need each other because we're connected as a church. Here's what Paul says. You're no longer foreigners and aliens. We're fellow citizens. We're members together. We're joined together. We're built together. We are connected. Here's what the Hebrew writer says. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That's not a verse to beat people over the head. You need to be at church. It's a verse that says, hey, we're connected. And as we see the day approaching, because we're connected... We need, need each other, and we need to live connected. But it's more than that. We need to live connected to Jesus Christ. This guy, Paul, who wrote this letter, he was Saul. You read about him in Acts. He wrote about half of the New Testament, and he talks about being in Christ, connected to Christ, 164 times in his letters. We need to be connected to Jesus. Here's what Jesus himself said. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
If a, man, if a man remains in me, connected to me, continues in me, if a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know when a branch is connected to the life source, it grows. When a branch is no longer connected, when it's cut, when it's disconnected, it doesn't grow anymore. So we need to be connected to Jesus Christ. He is our life source. Did you know there's 35 or 36 one another statements in the Bible? One another is two words in the English. It's one word in the original Greek language. And we're encouraged to love one another, encourage one another, and bear one another's burdens, and forgive one another, and be devoted to one another. We need to live connected. We need to live connected. What does it mean to live like Jesus is coming back? He says we need to live committed. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we live like Jesus is coming back? Paul says it's going to be evident. People are going to see your work and see your labor and see your endurance. Paul says if you're going to live like Jesus is coming back, there ought to be evidence in your life that you're living that way. We used to sing a song when I was growing up. We sang it all the time. And when I say all the time, we sang it all the time. <laughs> we'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. There seemed to be an era that songs that were written were all about work. To the work, to the work, we're servants of God, toiling on, toiling on. Let us hope and trust. Let us watch and pray and labor till the Master comes. Paul is directing our attention to our commitment. Jesus is coming again, so you ought to live committed. We need to be about the Lord's business, but not just work. He says work of faith and not just labor. He says labor of love and not just endurance. He says endurance inspired by hope. There's much more to following Jesus than just knowledge, head knowledge. There's much more than just believing. It's about commitment and it's about the good works that we do. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Again, it's not just information. It's transformation. There's got to be some action. There's got to be some work. Here's what James writes. James says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Are we saved by works? Absolutely not. Our theme this year, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Our good works are not what create us. We're created to do good works. How do we live like Jesus is coming back? There's got to be evidence in our lives. So Paul says we live connected and we live committed. And number three, we live chosen. Here's what he says. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you, elected, chosen. The church is a chosen community. Christians are not saved by chance. We are saved by choice. God chooses us. Here's what Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God because God chose us. What does it look like to live chosen? Here's what Paul says back in 1 Thessalonians 1, chosen people are imitators. 
You welcomed the message with joy. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. It was obvious to Paul. It was obvious to others that they were living like chosen people. And you want to know why? Because they were living like Jesus was coming again. He continues at the end of chapter 1. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. How do I live like Jesus is coming again? I serve and I wait. I serve and I wait. Question, is that how you're living? Are you living connected to the church? Are you living committed to the work of God? Are you living as if you're chosen by God? Listen, folks, Jesus is coming again. The words written in the New Testament, Jesus is coming again, are not written to discourage us. It's written to encourage us. Scripture doesn't use those words to beat us up or to scare us or to get us riled up. Scripture writes those words. These words are written to encourage us. Listen, I I know waiting is not easy. Here's what people will say. Peter says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. It's not easy waiting. There's people who are going to say, you know, it's been 2,000 plus years. Where is this coming? It's easy for Christians to say, you know, it's been 2,000 plus years. He hasn't come yet. He hasn't come in my lifetime. Why should I believe that Jesus is coming again? Why should I live like Jesus is coming again? Paul says, because He is. Because Jesus promised. It may not be in your lifetime. It may not be in my lifetime. But Jesus is coming again. And those words are written to encourage us. And because He said He's coming again, we need to look forward to. We need to be waiting. And we need to be prepared. Let's pray.